You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Now, normally I would start the show by complaining about Fitz cheating on me once again with another loose slot. You just heard him with Janan Golic Jr., but he was being a good teammate. <laughs> it was a last-minute addition. They needed him, and he showed up. So I'm going to let it slide this time. It's Spain and Fitz, Harris Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Just a power hour tonight, taking you into Game 4 of the NBA Finals. Suns, Bucks at 8 Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio. We also got the WNBA All-Star Game happening right now. It's tipping off any minute, so we'll keep you updated on that and actually talk to Elena Deladon about all things WNBA a little bit later in the show. Monica McNutt also going to join to talk WNBA and NBA Finals. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Those guests going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline Let's start right off the bat with some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And Fitz, I have a question for you relating to tonight's game four of the Bucks and Suns. If I were to tell you, I would give you the stat line for either Drew Holiday or DeAndre Ayton for each of the remaining games, and then you would have to guess which team won the series, who would provide you more information on how the series goes? That is an epically good question. I will go with Aiton as being more important to the final story of the series because a couple of reasons. One, I think that you know the contributions of Chris Middleton would be able to mask some of the deficiencies of Drew Holiday Very throughout true. the course of the series. Also, I feel like at some point this series is going to be about something you've mentioned a few times, like at what point can Phoenix match any of the big presence of Milwaukee, I don't know that they can, but if they're going to have any shot at that portion of it, then Aiton has got to come up big on the board. So I think how he specifically handles that portion of it will be a good indicator of where the series went the rest of the way. I think it's a great answer. I think it's absolutely because of the Middleton aspect, right? There is a trading off between Holiday and Middleton for needing to have at least one of those guys really show up and support Giannis offensively in order for the Bucks to thrive. But if they do, one or the other or both of them, I think they're the better team. And I think the ability to expose the Suns' lack of depth in the bigs situation is key to this. And that's why we saw Aiton getting in foul trouble in the last game being such a huge part of it. And, you know, Richard Jefferson, our ESPN NBA analyst, former player, was on the 6 p.m. Sports Center talking about just how key it is for not just Giannis to keep doing what he's doing, which has been incredible, but for him to get the support of those two big guys in Holiday and Middleton. Well, hopefully to be extremely aggressive. And it's really about your mindset. You want to come out and be aggressive early and often. You know Giannis is at a point in his career where the minute he steps on the court, he's just going to be dominant. So for those two guys to really go and not really worry about anybody other than getting themselves involved and make sure that their entire team has a a rhythm. Just focus on that. Don't worry about is Giannis getting his touches? Is Giannis scoring enough points? Be aggressive. But, you know, for me, I really think the Milwaukee Bucks figured something out. Losing Dario Saric is so important for the Phoenix Suns that the Milwaukee Bucks are starting to recognize they don't have a lot of depth at big. And if you can get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble, and that means they're going to start going at him more times in pick and rolls, maybe trying to bait him into some more things, because I think that was the pivotal thing that they figured out in game three. It's key, Fitz. It's key because that Suns team is killing you in so many ways that we've talked about before are impressive and incredible, but should be able to be stopped a lot of times by the size and length of the Bucks. Letting a 36-year-old, barely six-foot-tall Chris Paul manipulate you and get the shots he wants, 
let him drive. You know, guard him differently so that if he blows past you, let him try to get a layup in there with the trees instead of letting him step back and hit those mid-range jumpers over you. Let Aiton really try to challenge Giannis and others driving into the paint. And it does help for them to be at home. And I do recognize, Fitz, that a lot of the plays that we saw in game one of this series um, physically in the paint uh, didn't get called on the Bucs side and, and are going to get called at home. And that means a lot when it comes to the, the way this series might sway. Well, and, you know, I, I, it's such an oversimplification to talk about aggressiveness sometimes. But it, it is a theme in this series that we've seen so far. And it's funny because you can just feel the energy like anything else. You know, anybody that's watched their favorite football team come out on the field, sometimes you look at them and say, man, I can't figure out why they look flat. Like sometimes in concerts, a band comes out on stage and they just don't have that thing that night. For whatever reason, through the course of the NBA finals, in the first two games, Phoenix had all of the pop early on and it felt like Milwaukee may not have been ready for that. And then in game three, that script flipped. And when you talk about the aggressiveness, particularly when you combine it with the size that Milwaukee has and their ability to, frankly, attack. I mean, we know what they're doing. They're going to do everything at the front of the rim. They're going to go after everything that they do. So if they do that and they are the aggressor, they win when it comes to the way fouls are called. Because when you are the aggressor and you are bigger and more physical and stronger, you're just going to force fouls to co- to go your way. So I think that it, through all of it, you know, when you start talking about the aggressiveness that we saw from Milwaukee, I don't know why that hasn't been something that has transferred over game to game. I don't know why it's hard to get consistently this late in the finals, but that's real so far in this series, and I fully expect the Deer District to have everybody fired up, but that means that Phoenix is going to have to have an answer for that aggressiveness that doesn't include fouls, and that's easier said than done. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can get all the show stuff that you might have missed. Apple, iTunes, ESPN podcast. They've tried to do this Giannis wall, and there's been a lot of conversation about the Giannis wall, (laughs) essentially throwing three guys in front of him to try to stop him in the paint. And that's another reason why it's so important for Holiday and Middleton to be effective, because on the occasion that they are able to slow him down or stop him and he can punch it back out, they need to hit those shots. That's just a fact. If you're an NBA player and you've got a guy taking double and triple teams, that leaves dudes open and they have to consistently hit those shots to make the team pay for choosing to double and triple Giannis. Another really important thing is how Devin Booker approaches this game after a bad game last time. Raja Bell, former NBA player, was on with Greeny talking about the interesting, maybe opposite to what you just said, which is, of course, you want to be aggressive, but if you force it, it's not going to work. The beauty of the Suns is, though, they have a lot of guys that can get you 15 to 20. And Devin, if he's getting, you know, 22 to 23 with a bunch of other guys getting 15 to 17, they're, they're probably more dangerous like that than when he scores 50. So I wouldn't come out and try to force him. Sometimes that can backfire. If I was D-Book, uh, and I've never been as good as D-Book, clearly, but I would just kind of submit to the game, right? Like when you get fascinated and caught up in your point production and what that means to a team, sometimes you can forget about doing the other things that are very, very important to the success of your ball club, right? And so – He should go out there. He should defend with high energy. He should rebound. Um, He should try to be a presence on the glass. And then eventually, you know, you you get an opportunity to attack, try to get to that free throw line, get some easy buckets, and then the points come. But if they go out and press and try to feed him and get out of their rhythm offensively with the rest of those guys, it won't matter what he does offensively. I think it's so interesting, Fitz, because, yeah, we always talk about who's the more aggressive player. But if Booker takes himself out of the flow of the game and all the other things he needs to do to help this Suns team, not going to be good for Phoenix. 
Yeah, it's such an interesting, and you're right, like, it's easier said than done. How do you be aggressive but still stay within the game you're supposed to play? And how do you make, how do you, as they always say, let the game come to you, but then also don't be passive in letting the right. game come to you. Like, mm-hmm. there are so many tips here, and, and this comes back to the one thing that I think we talked about before but is important. There isn't anybody other, there's one player in this entire series that has real finals experience. So all of a sudden, even the advice of how to handle this moment there isn't somebody that can really come in other than Jay Crowder and say, hey, here's what I've experienced in the past. I think that does make a difference to how everybody relaxes in the series. Spain and Fitz giving you the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Game four coming up at 8 Eastern right here on ESPN Radio. ESPN analyst Monica McNutt going to join us next to talk that and the WNBA All-Star Game that's going on right now. It's next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. ESPN basketball analyst Monica McNutt joins us there. Monica, as always, you know we love talking to you. We'll get into the NBA Finals in a second, but let's start with the WNBA All-Star Game. Your thoughts on the uh, team taking on the Olympians? I know you, you picked Team WNBA today, right? I did. Our good friend Tony Reality kind of backed me into a corner, and then I said <laughs> it with my chest with all types of confidence, Fitz. <laughs> I did um, I love this format. I think it's great, and I think one of the reasons that I've enjoyed it so much is as we keep seeing these great posts, ESPN PR put out a number today, I think we're up 44% um, mm. of the league expanding and viewership being up. I love that this game gives us an opportunity to meet some of the other best players in the league, right? Like a lot of the Olympians we're sort of familiar with, um, and so I love, you know, Benaja Laney, John Cole Jones, Dewana Bonner, Enrique Gugawale, like all of these new players that we get a chance to meet in this format. I love it. I completely agree. Hey, quick question for you as we're um, talking about some of these all-stars. Candace Parker, the big news today uh, on the cover of NBA 2K, the first woman. You know, talk about what it means for women to be in a lot of these spaces and places alongside their male counterparts and what it can mean for the growth of the sport. Spain, you know this, right? Like, we both played sports and consumed women's sports just as female athletes, just, of course, sporting friends. But I think the women's game becoming part of the water cooler conversation is a huge step. And this, to mm-hmm. me, is the way that it signifies that. Now, listen, if you checked out the WNBA game in your local market and it stunk that weekend, then cool. But, like, you were there. And so I think we pull up to sports that we don't necessarily love because it's a social event, because it's a thing to do in our city. And the W should be looked at the same way in my mind, not just for dads and daughters, but for people that appreciate the game. Go and have a good time and enjoy yourself. We're talking to ESPN basketball analyst Monica McNutt. I'll echo the sentiment and just remind everybody, check out a game. The WNBA is growing. It's a fun league to check out, and uh, we're proud of telling the stories of it as often as we can on the show. Let's get to the NBA Finals uh, that are up tonight, obviously. Monica's part of the NBA Finals broadcast on radio both before and after the game. So, Monica, I know the adjustments have become this buzzword that is almost obnoxious at this point, but what adjustments do you expect to see in this game that will change the outcome in your mind? I think the Phoenix Suns are going to look to play with more pace fits, and I understand that it's easier to get up and down the floor when the other team is missing shots. Well, here we are. The Bucks have found a way to make some shots, namely because Giannis is killing them in the paint. I think they still have to find a way to create a little bit more speed in their half court, whether it's going high school style, ripping the ball out of the net and getting that thing out on the inbound. Um, so I expect them to find a little bit more pace. I also expect DeAndre Ayton to be better. I mean, he's a guy that has only fouled out two games in his entire career. Um, and so he is sort of cerebral at that center spot. I think back to some of the games over the course of the series with the Clippers, and there were games where Zubac got the best of him. But the next game, he responded in kind. And so I also... Um, in addition to DeAndre, I expect Book to be better. Like three, Phil goes mate, nah, that's not going to happen. Now, on the flip side of that, 
I really hope that the Bucks do not steer away from what has worked so well for them. Um, it was funny because I looked at the numbers on Chris Middleton between games three and seven in the Brooklyn series, and he was averaging six more points than he'd average on the entire playoffs. Now, obviously, that includes a 38-point outburst. I don't know that I trust the Bucks to have fully turned the corner in terms of consistency, but I do know that they are a much better team when the ball at least touches the paint on a possession because Giannis is a willing passer. He had six assists um, in the last game. So I think finally when I get the game, that had me believing this series would require seven games to figure it out anyway. Monica McNutt with us here on ESPN Radio, part of the NBA Finals broadcast pre and post. You know, I'm I'm – I'm curious when you look at the this Suns team and you look at the already the hardships that they've gone through, have we focused too much on the obvious ones and maybe not enough on stuff like Chris Paul's knee being like a, 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 a shredded and completely destroyed? Are we not giving him enough credit for playing through what I think they're just not telling us is pretty serious? I was about to say, Spain, I think that's by design. Like, Chris hasn't mentioned it. You obviously being a terrific journalist are, you know, finding the nuggets <laughs> as they are seeping out now but honestly like Chris hasn't made a big deal of it we saw when he took a tumble in one of those games he had somebody hide him as he was getting his wrist retaped I don't think at this point in his career all the blood sweat and tears and time good lord the time that Chris Paul has put in to get to this point I don't think he's interested in any excuses and I think that's why we probably haven't given that enough weight um and I, I you know honestly though I don't think that team would make it an excuse, you know? Like, it's, right. it's that sports thing. Are you hurt well, or are you injured? Well, they can't either because like, they keep beating teams that have injuries, so they right. can't exactly be right. like, you know. <laughs> We're talking to ESPN uh, basketball analyst Monica McNutt, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So, Monica, obviously, we, Sarah and I were talking about this earlier. Energy at the beginning of games has been such an up-and-down thing. You and I have talked about the inconsistency of the Bucks. What is it that causes inconsistent energy at the beginning of a game? That is a loaded question. The first answer that comes to mind immediately is home court. Um, we've seen the home team kind of punch, although I don't think the Suns were bad in the first quarter of game three. They kind of lost their energy, obviously, in that second quarter. I think with these two teams, particularly the Bucks, home court has a lot to do with it. Um, Chris Middleton has said that, you know, he, it takes him a minute to kind of figure out how defenses are playing him and what his spots are. Um, and I think the way that energy is – Mm, what's the word I want? The way that energy is identified for teams can be different. Like, I don't know if they've got somebody keeping track of hustle plays or, or right, right rotation. You know what I mean? Like, it's not necessarily coming out with a scoring boon. Um, and so I think we're working through some of that. A lot of what the Bucks have hung their hat on all year, y'all, in terms of defense, really hasn't worked out so well. Like, they're supposed to not let teams shoot threes. We know what happened in game two. Game three, we saw a little bit more of that. And so I think it probably rattles them a little bit to see that their identity, at least through the regular season, and to this point in the playoffs, doesn't quite work out the way that they had planned. Monica McNutt with us on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Jason Fitz, we're taking into game four of the NBA Finals coming up at 8 Eastern right here on ESPN Radio. Less than a minute, so so quick answer for you. I asked this question of Fitz earlier. If I were to give you the box score results for Aiton or Holiday for the remainder of the series, who would tell you more about how the series went? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, holiday, because if he manages to start going off, we got a problem, and I expect Aiton to be steady around that double-double thing the rest of the way. 
Oh, look at her being concise and concise. just professional with everything she Smart. does. Listen and to her on the radio broadcast. Right. Yeah, I'm ta- yeah, I can't even read. Here's Monica crushing life. Listen to her before and after the game on ESPN Radio as she's part of the NBA Finals broadcast. ESPN basketball analyst extraordinaire and all-around kick-ass amazing person, Monica McNutt. Monica, thanks for the time, my friend. We appreciate you. Aw, thanks, Fitz. I'll send you your check later. Have a good show, y'all. Wait, I want to check. I love you, too. You're well, great. I mean, yeah, she didn't say it'd be a big check. Like, remember, I'm cheap, so, like, 10 bucks to me is like, ooh, that's like three nights out, Sarah. I mean, you. what was your Weird answer to the— uh, well, There's no doubt about that. I'm, I'm proud to be an embarrassment. <laughs> I was going to get your answer to, uh, to the same question you've asked, but I'm not going to do that now. We don't have time. I appreciate that. Uh, let me what? just let you know, right now, the USA women's team is up on the WNBA All-Star team by just— two points and based on everything i'm reading there's been like one missed shot just breakneck speed through the first seven minutes or so yeah and this game has so much heat on it because there are some women that are not pleased with the way that team usa was selected Mm -hmm. or the way the announcement came down so i I love the fact that you've got an all-star game that not only has uh, you know passion to the outcome but also just a little bit of chip on multiple shoulders going into it. Uh, speaking of WNBA superstars, we will be joined by one of them next. Elena Deladon will join us, Spain and Fitz, on ESPN Radio and hanging out with you, of course, on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, WNBA All-Star Game going on. Team USA up 28-25 over the WNBA All-Stars after one. We're brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. We also just got some breaking news. Neka Ogumake notified by FIBA that her petition to play for her native Nigeria in the upcoming Olympics was denied Due to, quote, substantial involvement of more than 10 years with Team USA, sources told ESPN that today. This, of course, after she spent all the time and effort and loyalty to try to play for Team USA, got jobbed by that and is now kept out of Team Nigeria for all of that loyalty and drive. Sucks is is what that does. Uh, Elena Deladon joined me before that news hit and before the start of tonight's All-Star Game to talk about all sorts of issues in the WNBA and tonight's All-Star format. I started out by asking her how her rehab's going. (laughs) You know, I'm still plugging along. It's going really well. I'm grateful that I have some really amazing people to work with that keep me going. And I feel like I'm definitely on my way back and doing pretty well. Do we have a date on the calendar that you've circled that you're hoping is the return date? Gosh, I feel like I keep circling the next game, but (laughs) uh, things, you know, life happens and I have to, keep my body ready and just try to figure out what's going to be the right time for it. But obviously I'm just trying to push back and be back for the next game, but you really never know. So I'm just trying to stay patient and continue to take it day by day. Like I had said, I guess a little bit back when we had talked. Yeah. But so you are at the point where it it could be the next game. That's not just wishful thinking. (laughs) You know, I'm very grateful right now for uh, having this break where we get like, a few weeks off and hopefully that'll be a lot of time where I can try to start getting myself back into things. How frustrating has it been to watch the mystics where, you know, they're sitting a little below 500. Are you able to coach and help out as best you can, or do you kind of want them to do their thing while you're out? Yeah. I mean, I try to do my best by coaching and being a voice and being a leader, but I also know it's important for the people on the court to figure things out. So it's kind of just trying to figure out that happy medium, but 
they've been playing their hearts out. I mean, there's been some games where we've only had six healthy players. So mm-hmm. it has been a really tough first half of the season just because we've been ailed with a lot of injuries. But I think that's something that can prepare us for the next half of the season. And to get through that type of adversity this early on is always a great sign. And as we all know, it's most important to peak at the right time. Yeah, and there's a bunch of teams sitting right around or below 500 that are all still in it for the postseason that are kind of just sharing wins and losses. So plenty to happen over the second half of the season. There's a lot of elements of the WNBA right now that are driving debate and interest. And by the way, Elena Deladon with me here on Spain and Fitz on the Goodyear Hotline. The Commissioner's Cup is one of them. What have you thought about that and introducing that to the game? I think this is huge for our fan base to get excited about another tournament in the middle of the season. I think sometimes seasons can be long for fans and um, to have something like the commissioner's cup where they can watch us compete for a championship in the middle of the season is something that's really fun. And I think we're also even seeing the NBA might take on this, this idea because it's something to get sponsors excited, uh, which is obviously important, but more importantly to keep the fans engaged. Yeah, it's a pretty common theme where the NBA uses the WNBA as a little bit of an incubator to see to see how they feel about the format of something. Let's talk about the format of the All-Star game. It's this Olympic squad taking on the other All-Stars. Do you like that idea? Do you think it adds a little bit of grit to those who maybe were on the, on the bubble and didn't make the Olympic team? I love this idea. I think it's going to be such a highly competitive game. Um, it's going to look probably a little bit different than your normal all-star game where, you know, players tend to like pull around and I think it's going to get really competitive. And <laughs> I think it's just going to be a great way for team USA to get prepared to head off to Tokyo also. Yeah. Really good work for them to get competition and, and work together against other fantastic players. Elena Deladon is, is with us here on Spain and Fitz. What do you think about <laughs> Neka Ogumike not getting the nod again? And it feels like she's done all the yeah. things required to get that opportunity to play. Neka is just such an incredible basketball player, but also an amazing human being. And she's been a leader for the WMBPA for years now. Um, So to see her not get the nod and to know the time she's put in, the work she's put in and how well she's played for Team USA, that was something that was super tough to see. I I reached out to her. She's obviously a friend of mine. And um, I just let her know that I was really sorry and really disappointed for her. But yeah, you don't love to see that. Unfortunately, it's a really, really hard roster (laughs) to uh, make. Um, and I'm not sure what went into the decision-making. I'm not a part of that. So I can say if I was on that committee, I probably would have had NECA on the team, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what goes into all of it. <laughs> well, that's part of it too, right? There isn't a lot of transparency, and so that leads to conjecture, a lot of which is based around is there UConn bias because we know that Gino's on the committee and there are people invested in you know promoting those players in that program do you think that there needs to be a change in terms of knowing how players are selected and what goes on behind the scenes, or maybe even a change to the committee? The hard part of changing that committee is like, this has been the most dominant Olympic team ever. So <laughs> team USA is doing something right. If the team was losing and not coming away with gold medal after gold medal, I would see making a change to it. At this point, I don't think you're going to mess with what's working. And we do know that, some of the greatest players to ever play comes a lot of them come through Connecticut. <laughs> so 
I don't know if we'll see a change to it. I do think we'll be some younger people that come on the committee or even, you know, WNBA players who have been through Team USA who could be a part of the committee as well. But it's hard to change something that is so dominant and a team that has just won over and over and over. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain talking to Elena Deladon, two-time WNBA MVP, Olympic basketball player. I think another conversation topic around the WNBA that's been really important to come to light um, was brought back up by Paige Beckers in her ESPY speech. I was so impressed for such a young player to already have the sort of sense to, to spend her time in the spotlight talking about this. So many of the WNBA's top black players winning a lot of awards, but earning less media than their white counterparts. Is that a conversation mm-hmm. you and your teammates and other WNBA players have a lot? Yes, we do. Our league is made of black excellence. And unfortunately, that just doesn't seem to get the coverage that it so deserves. And for Paige to do that and make that speech at such a young age, like she's still a kid, but to do that with her platform is amazing. And when I see these young kids like stepping up for things they believe in, it just makes me so proud and so happy to know that one day when I'm not playing this game or some of my other counterparts aren't playing anymore, we definitely know that it'll be left in a beautiful place because these young ones coming up are so powerful and not afraid to use their voices. Totally agree. I love to see it from the ones coming up. They're kind of growing up in a different time where so many of the antiquated ideas were never even introduced during their lifetime. And hopefully that can create some, some big change. Elena Deladon with us here on Spain and Fitz on behalf of always. And you're, talking specifically about an issue that you and I have actually discussed in other forums, which is nearly half of girls dropping out of sports during puberty. The numbers for boys and girls participating in sports are almost equal growing up. And then a variety of factors, whether it's access or societal pressures or otherwise, cause that number to drop greatly um, right around puberty. And I can't even imagine who I would be as a person if I hadn't stuck with sports and how much value it gave to me. And I'm sure you could say the same. Yes. I mean, sports have done so much for me just by developing so many life skills and not just for me but like even women who I meet who are CEOs of companies or they're in politics or whatever that may be I feel like they've all been touched by sport in some way and they've learned so many skills that they take on way past the field so I am thrilled to be partnered with always always has been doing this and empowering young women for over 35 years now You know, whether it was trying to end period poverty and providing period products to girls in need, or I love the uh, Like a Girl campaign where it kind of just changed that whole societal barrier of thinking that throwing like a girl or playing like a girl, it was a negative connotation, which obviously we know is not. (laughs) So to be partnered with a company that has been giving back to young girls for so many years now, I'm super excited about it. And yeah, I'm going to repeat it. Like half of girls are dropping out of sports during puberty. That is so concerning to me. And I'm sure you, because we both know, you know, what sports have done for us and the confidence it gives you, the leadership skills. So um, trying to tackle this on with always. Always love to talk to Elaine. It was great for her to give us a few minutes uh, yesterday and, um, I just like how she's coming into her own as a voice and as a representative for the league. Cannot wait to get her back on the court. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Coming up here on Spain and Fitz, we'll get into some quickies, get you through the stories of the day, and some last thoughts on Game 4 before sending you to Suns Bucks.
Spain and Fitz, the podcast. This is Spain and Fitz. Fitz was cheating on me again. Yes, back to back. Just no break. Straight from Chidane Golic Jr. right into this. And I heard after this show, he's going to have to get himself ready for uh, KJ and Z tomorrow morning. So uh, no it's slot a, is safe. It's an no open slot. relationship. You did the safe. daily. You got around mm-hmm. the horn. Like, you're, you're a superstar. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little grinded down here. Like, we're... What did you call yourself? A grindin' dine? Uh, no, a grinder, a grinder, uh, not the okay. not the app, <laughs> well, but just like something. I didn't realize it was home. that open of a relationship. We're going to get to that game sex six. Whoa! Wow. Yeah, yeah. Started out strong for me there, trying to take down Fitz, and then I just took down myself. Got a little tongue-tied. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're closing out a power hour, taking you up to Game 4 of the NBA Finals. Suns, Bucks, right here on ESPN Radio at 8 Eastern. Bucks trying to make it a 2-2 series. Also, don't forget, tomorrow, tune into an AL East rivalry as the Yankees host the Red Sox. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN App, which means we're off tomorrow, back on Friday. And with so much to get to and a night off tomorrow, the only way to touch on the things that we need to is the way we do best, which is quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. Sad story coming out about Richard Sherman uh, in custody with the police after an incident at his in-laws home. And the more we hear about this, the more complicated it sounds, Fitz. This is how Adam Schefter summed up uh, what the original legal term for what he was charged with and arrested with is. At 2 a.m. Pacific time, police received a 911 call from a residence. The person calling said that an adult male family member who did not live there was attempting to force his way into the home. Police arrived. Suspect was located outside the home, fought with police, but was eventually apprehended, was taken to a hospital to be checked, but was cleared and then booked into the King County Correctional Facility uh, where he is right now. It's called burglary DV and INV, which is basically burglary, domestic violence investigation. Uh, but in Washington, burglary is defined as entering a premise with intent to commit a crime. Uh, it does not mean a suspect is trying to steal anything. The IMV means the case is still being investigated. And my understanding is he has to remain in jail until he appears before a judge. And we'll wait to see when that happens. So worth noting, domestic violence is not necessarily the same as intimate partner violence, even though often when we hear it, that's what we presume. It can be any sort of family dispute situation. In this case, uh, we are now, we have heard a leaked 911 call. Uh, Richard Sherman's wife is calling on his behalf, worried about his safety as he is talking to her about potentially having thoughts of suicide, has uh, drank too much, and now the Washington State Patrol Captain Ron Mead saying at a news conference today they're also referring him, uh, Richard Sherman, that is, to prosecutors for a possible misdemeanor DUI and hit-and-run charges related to a separate incident. Uh, Fitz, this sounds incredibly sad. The 911 call is heartbreaking and is, first of all, a good reason to wait to comment on things, as the initial report this morning was woefully short in terms of information compared to what we know now and what we still could learn. And also just really sad for a really stand-up guy that we've heard so many good things about over the course of his career and a free agent guy who is looking to, to come on with another team. Yeah, somebody that uh, in his mind was not done playing, and obviously this is far bigger than anything uh, he would be trying to accomplish on the field. It should be noted, 
Shefty tweeted out that his wife told the Seattle Times, quote, he didn't harm anybody. My kids were not harmed in the incident. He's a good person. This is not his character. We're doing all right. Just trying to get him out. I want people to know no one was injured. Mm. My immediate thought becomes the health and safety of everybody involved, and that includes, in this instance, Richard Sherman. So hopefully we can figure out what happened and uh, make sure everybody's okay. Yeah, the reason for the domestic violence part is simply because of the relationship that he has to the occupants of the residence and because the damage he did to the front door trying to get in. But no one suffered injuries. He didn't gain entry. So it's a bit more complicated than a headline might tell you. Uh, We'll keep you updated on that story next. Quickies. Greg Popovich said this about the USA men's Olympic team, which finally managed to win a game. But he said that this is uh, some of the work that needs to be done to get them ready for the real thing. We have to get back in shape. Uh, And I was thrilled that this was a back-to-back, you know, for that reason, so that we come out and do it again. And it was a quick back-to-back having a 3 o'clock game. So we're going to continue to work hard like uh, like we need to. uh, But it'll be efficient. It'll be... Uh, very uh, organized in the sense that uh, in this short time, we can't invent the wheel. We have to keep things simple. Okay, so Fitz, the usual excuses that we hear for the U.S. team are they just need to work a little bit more together because other teams have played and, and been more consistent. There's some truth to that for sure, but Team Australia has seven new players, two different coaches in the last two years. It's a little bit tougher for the U.S. to claim that, but get their get their wind back, get in shape. It feels like most of these guys were playing not too long ago. Are you buying this? Yeah, I'm not buying any of that. Like, it's amazing how much benefit of the doubt we just heap on the plate of pop in this process. But I still think that at the end of the day, realistically, this is a team that is full of NBA players that have shown us they know when to press the turbo button, right? They will right. in the Olympics. I don't think this is going to be a huge deal. But right now it feels like a bunch of guys conserving energy, trying to figure out how to play together while they don't burn off any of the gas that they have left after two back-to-back seasons that were too closely compacted. Yeah, it's weird because I would think more about the uh, rest needed after a tough schedule after the bubble season, more so than not being in shape because they had too much rest right before this in that very short amount of time from the last playing. It's just very complicated. I think the problem is they are too small and they are defensively going to struggle against other teams. We'll see how much that is still the case when, like you said, they actually hit the turbo button, and get going in real competitions. We're doing quickies here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, to get everything in that we can before we send you to basketball. Let's go to the next story. Quickies. Okay, we saw a story just before the show started about college football, and particularly in one of the conferences, I think it was the Big 12, right, saying they were probably not allowed teams to have cancellations for any reason, even COVID-related. Fitz, this sounds to me like a way to get people vaccinated if you know that you are not going to be able to use a COVID spread as any sort of excuse. You're just taking a forfeit. Yeah, and it's being pointed out that we believe over college football this is going to happen from all conferences. If that's the case, you're suddenly looking at you You may or may not have enough players. You may or may not have your stars. Like, that's a reality, and they're not going to let you postpone. That changes everything in the way this conversation goes. So, absolutely, right now, if you're a head coach of a major program, you are likely looking at your kids and saying, hey – If you don't get vaccinated, this is what realistically could happen to our team or could happen to you. And it it is a different conversation today than it was before all of this. Cat won't go back in the bag either. So I I think this changes college football. I am here for it, 100%. All right, next story. Quickies. We're going to need to spend a little more time on this one, but I want your first response to MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred saying Vegas is a, quote, viable alternative For the Oakland Athletics next Tuesday, the City Council of Oakland is going to consider a non-binding term sheet 
for a park downtown. The A's have proposed privately funding a billion dollars of it as their lease on the Coliseum expires after the 2024 season. But if they can't figure out some alternatives and get it to work, Manfred's saying maybe Las Vegas. Is this your baseball team? Do we have to scrap college baseball or uh, a major league baseball bachelor if you just find one coming right to your city? Well, here's what we do. We go through the whole bachelor process, and then like all reality shows, if, if it doesn't work out in the end, I just go back to where <laughs> I would have gone anyway. Uh, yeah, if Vegas gets a baseball team, then I'm all in, and it will. That, at that point, it's going to have to be— I thought that was a deal-breaker, though, because that was the team you eliminated immediately for their ability to mess with the Raiders season in that ballpark. Well, but they would get their own swanky $2 billion uh-huh. stadium, I'm sure, somewhere. So as long as they're not playing – no, if they play in Allegiant, then hell is real and I'm living in it. Like, if suddenly, <laughs> if, if I'm sharing them with a baseball stadium, I'm done. I quit all sports at that point. <laughs> but all's forgiven. If they get their own stadium, you'll forget about all the pain and suffering they caused you in the past. Yeah, uh, 100%. In fact, that might be the thing that finally pushes me off the Preds bandwagon and fully over to the Golden Knights so I can wow. go all Vegas with all everything. Wow. You're yeah. a bigger man than I. Yeah. Uh, forgive and forget. That's Nobody's good. ever That's said that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Game four, the NBA Finals. You got Suns or Bucks tonight? Uh, I got Bucks. Bucks going in. It's going to be 2-2. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.